Hi there and welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is free. It's a bonus preview show tonight on the Jersnet Podcast. We're going to have a look at the Celtic game, vital game uh, at Ibrox tomorrow. Uh, so we'll have a wee look at that and some of the other stuff through the week as well with the St Mirren game last week. And we'll have a wee chat about the commemorations for the uh, the Ibrox disaster, the 50th anniversary of the Ibrox disaster. Yeah, we'll have a look at that. Uh, if it's the first time listening to the pod uh, we would, or watching the pod because we're, we're on we've got the cameras off tonight we would ask you to subscribe we're approaching 4,000 subscribers now the last I checked we're, we're in the sort of only got about 100 to go so a big thanks to everyone who's subscribed so far and if you haven't done so already we would we would ask you to do so uh, the podcast is live tonight it's the Friday night I think I'm losing, losing track of the days during Christmas holidays and all that uh, so it's a Friday night, we're live tonight, but the, the pod will be available to uh, download and stream on a variety of platforms, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBot, Stitcher and Spotify. So it's time to bring in my guest, uh, which is Ross Bennett, and he's sitting there in his wee cubby hole looking very happy. How are you, Ross? I'm good, I'm good. I, you know, I've got to go with the most plain background I can find because I know that the natural instinct is to slag each other for the things that you can see for example, that microwave looks like it's older than I am. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to read the inscription on the wee heart that's hanging on the wall behind your head. You don't want to read that. It, 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 it revolves around wine. It was my yeah. wife that got that. And, and I'll, I'll pass on the, the message about the microwave. She'll be happy with that. She'll be passing on her regards because it is literally brand new. So, <laughs> so you're way off for that one. So how was your Christmas, Ross? Did, did the Santa good to you? Did you get everything that you wanted? Santa good to me. Um, I, yeah, it was good. Um, we, got a, we got a puppy a few weeks back. So Santa was very good to the puppy. Every, every present that was addressed to Ross was actually for the puppy. Um, but I, it was good. I mean, it was all sort of, a wee bit paired back, obviously, just, just me and my other half. Uh, can he visit any family down here in London? Can he really go anywhere? But all of the stress and all the pressure and arguments and all that, totally out the window. It's actually quite nice in the end. How about yourself? Quite, quite chilled, yeah, quite chilled. Very different this year. Uh, my wife was working, actually. She's an us, so she was working on Christmas Day. So it was just me and the kids for the majority of it. And then she came in sort of uh, later on at night and, you know, had her tea a bit later on. So I very, very, uh, a bit quieter this year. But, you know, there's bonuses with that as well. You know what I mean? It's not all bad. Uh, how are you feeling about tomorrow before we go on to the agenda? How are you looking at the agenda? A bit nervous for tomorrow? Are you feeling okay? Hi. Um, I don't know. A, a bit mixed. I think, I mean, we were chatting just before we came live on here. Three or four weeks ago, you'd, you'd say bring it on. We'll steamroll with them. But as the game gets closer, they seem to be having a bit of form. We're not quite as dominant as we maybe were in games a few months back. Um Aye, mixed. I'm looking forward to it. I still, I think, I still think we'll win. Um, and it's this is a huge game. This is a big, big old firm in the context of the season, in the context of Scottish football. Um, you know, first old firm of the deck of the of the new year. It's it's a big game. So the, the normal butterflies, but battle fever is well and truly on. <laughs> hey, before we get started, I should I should probably point out this is the first show of 2021. So. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone who watches and listens to us, uh, and a big thanks because 2020 was, you know, it was a difficult year for everybody. But I think when lockdown kicked in, a lot of people were looking for podcasts. I was certainly one of those. I started listening to you know, new podcasts, and we got a wee spike in sort of subscribers and listeners. So in a sort of perverse way, it was quite a positive year 
uh, in that front for us at Jersey. So a big thanks to everyone that's tuned in. If we've helped you through, you know, it's been a, a kind of strange few months, then, you know, that, 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 that's, that's great and we're, we're, we're glad we're doing that for you. Uh, so first, first game of 2021 tomorrow, but I thought we would look at the last game of 2020 before we got really into things, uh, Ross. So Marin on Wednesday night. Now, I, I was quite nervous about this going into it because of the, the result there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I, I sort of I went out for a, I went out for a walk up to my the other day and I had to put petrol in the car and it came to £55. And the minute I saw 55 I was just like, you're winning the day and the confidence was back up again. So after that, I felt quite confident up the hill, came back down, feeling really good. All the sort of nerves that I'd, I'd uh, felt prior to that were gone and justifiably so. A, a fairly decent performance and, and a good result. Yeah, um, it was it was controlled, wasn't it? It was quite it was quite resolute and quite professional, I thought. Reasonably lucky with both goals. I mean, obviously, a big deflection for the first goal taken over. Um, Jack Anik, who probably went to ground a bit earlier than he should have done. Um, and obviously, the big haddy of a centre half for St. Mary and Shaughnessy, giving the ball away so easily for Morelos to nip in and score the second. So a, a touch of fortune about both goals. Um, but, you know, we, we did what we had to do. Once we were two up, we, we controlled the game. I mean, the thing about Rangers is that once we get that lead, a lot of the time it's not that fun to watch anymore because it's just, it's so controlled, it's so professional. Um, and I was, uh, my brother was texting me at the time saying, why are we doing all these sideways passes? Why are we so negative? Passing it back to the keeper. You go, we've got a massive game coming up on Saturday. We're 2-0 up. Just control it. Just see the game out and be professional. And, you know, it was game management from about 45 minutes onwards. It was um, it wasn't the most enjoyable game to watch that we've had this season, but another three points in the only place that we've been beaten this season. I, I was really, really pleased at the end of that game. I, I mean, I think part of this is, is down to the fact that it's been so long since we've won a title. You know, I think some supporters forget what's involved and because we've been playing so well in the early stages of the season and just battering everybody out of sight, you know, now that we've hit this stage where we're still winning, and we're, you know, we're deserving to win. And, and some of the games, like like Wednesday, we're winning fairly comfortably. But because we're not battering teams, the nerves are starting to show. And, you know, I think Walter Smith, especially, you know, when you look through his tenure at the club, the amount of 1-0 wins that he got and, and 2-1 wins that just, you just beat the other team, you scrape through. It doesn't matter who it is, you just scrape through and go into the next game. And you're not, you're not going to batter teams every single week over 38 games. You know what I mean? You're going to have games where you just, Get a win, and that's it. And and that, it felt like one of those, as you say, we, we got two 0 up, uh, and then just controlled it after that. But I, want, I wanted to talk about Jim Goodwin made some interesting comments prior to the game about referees being uh, brave enough to to award penalties against uh, Rangers. Now, firstly, uh, his side got a penalty in the previous game, uh, and secondly, it just seemed like a strange thing to say. What, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was. It came out as a little bit bitter. It's a shame actually because I think. I mean, it's rare that I'll praise anyone in Scottish football outside the Rangers, but I actually think he's a good manager. I think he's set up his St Mirren side really quite nicely. They don't have a huge budget. They don't have the most gifted players, but they gave us a game in the Cup the other week. They set up to give us a game, and, and were it not for two errors from them, you know, it could have been a much tighter affair. So I'm disappointed to hear him say that. I mean, there was, there was sort of just no call for it. And, and when, when it comes straight after a loss like that, it just stinks of sour grapes. Um, I cannot think, you know, you try and think, obviously, you take, take the blue tinted specs off and try and think logically and rationally back over the course of the season. 
I can't actually remember too many penalty claims against Rangers that have gone yeah. not given. Obviously, there was all the talk about the Yanis Hachi high boot um, a week or so ago. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that that probably shouldn't have been a penalty because there was no contact with the player. Um, but you can see why there would be debate about that. But other than that, there's, there's not been a huge amount of, of, of kind of marginal calls that, that Rangers have got away with one. Um, certainly no more so than than for any other team or, or any sort of number that would stand out as being something untoward going on. So a little bit strange. Um, uh, I don't really know what he's trying to achieve with a comment like that because St Mirren won't be playing Rangers for a number of weeks now. So uh, it's unlikely that that he's thinking, right, in 12 weeks' time when we play them again, I want to be the beneficiary of, uh, I'll put the pressure on refs and get them to give calls in our favour. So is he trying to make the referee more favourable to Celtic's penalty decisions on Saturday? I don't know, but I mean, I think he was a bit of a fanny. Uh, yeah, it was strange and it, it kind of fell into that manufactured controversy and there always seems to be something in most Rangers games now. They always seem to be looking for anything. I mean, the the Yanis the, the Hadji one, Dermot Gallagher in Sky Sports, former Premiership referee, who just happens to be a Celtic fan, mm-hmm. you know, he was pretty conclusive in saying that because there was no contact, it's not a penalty, uh, the very worst it was would, would be an indirect free kick because of dangerous play. But, you know, you get this manufactured, you know, it was a penalty. And, and I just found Jim Goodwin's comments a bit strange. And my, and my fear is that it carries on until tomorrow. You know what I mean? That, you know, if there's any sort of 50-50 decisions in, 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 in the box, then will referees be thinking, you know, some of the comments that have been going on in, in the media? On to the, the two goal scorers, you know, the, the two guys that are very sort of in different form at the moment. You know, Kemar Roof scored again, uh, really seems to be hitting for nine goals, uh, I think, in as many games. He, he really seems to be, you know, looking like a, he's got a proper signing and going to be a, an important player for us this season. Absolutely. Um, he's, he's sort of at that age now where he needs to make it work because, it, you know, he went to Anderlecht and it never really came off for him. He's He's not. 22, 23 years old, you know, he's, he's actually in the second half of his career now, probably. So um, he knows that there's a lot at stake for his career if, if things don't work out at Rangers. And he, I don't know what you think when he comes across in his interviews, but he comes across as a very serious guy, a very hardworking and professional guy. Um, and I think that's paying off. You know, he, he's scored, um, I was going to make a, a point earlier about how Rangers have won uh, a number of different types of games. We've, we've won games by four or five goals. We've won games like the, the other night at St Mirren where it was less attractive, but we were just comfortable. We've won games like the Dundee United game where we've had to come back and, and be a bit more of a battle. Kamar Roof kind of sums that up because he scores different types of goals in different types of games. Um, he can score the, the wonder goal. Obviously, we remember the wonder goal against Liège, but you know there was also the goal against Benfica that he scored where he rattled it in from outside the box. Um, he scored tap-ins, he scored snapshots, and now he's you know he's scored the one-on-ones as well. So... He really does seem like a, a proper, proper player. I can imagine that the financial outlay on him would have been significant to, to, to you know, tempt him to come to, to Rangers because there must have been offers for him back in England. Um, but he's he's really making a name for himself, and uh, I have to say, I, I I haven't got enough praise for the guy. He's I think he's genuinely a class footballer. Yeah, and and I can always look at it from a from a, a sort of perspective of. If I was playing in the same team as that guy, what would I think of him? And he just looks to me like someone that you would want 
in your team. You know, when you heard his name in the team sheet, you'd be like, yes, he's in the team. He strikes me as that type. Uh, very sort of team-focused. Right. On to Morelos, who has not enjoyed quite as much, uh, you know, success this season as he, as he did last season. You know, he was, he was practically unplayable at points last season. Uh, he got the second goal. Second goal, uh, uh, sorry, first goal in nine games for him. As I say, it's not quite been coming off from this season. But back on the score sheet, good to see and good for his confidence. Yeah, I think... Especially uh, going into tomorrow, you know, and, and the thing yeah. that, you know. It's, you know, we're kind of, with Morelos against Celtic, We he didn't score, obviously, in his first four or five or six games. And then it becomes a bit of a bit of a thing. Yeah. Um, I think we're on what thirteen games or something now that he's that he's not scored against them. It is what it is, you know. It's it's obviously a shame for him. You can see how it affects him. I think we, you and I were both there at the the League Cup final last year where he missed the penalty. Um, so it's yeah, it, it, it is what it is. I was I was really pleased for him to score um, the other day against St Mirren. As someone made a comment that that's the kind of goal he actually usually misses. Where he's got so much time. But he did yeah. really well. You know, he picked the ball up, he ran onto it, he picked his spot and he, he dispatched it really professionally. Um, you expect your striker, especially a striker as competent as Morelos, to score goals like that. You know, he, there's no excuse for missing a goal like that. So um, I was pleased for him because I actually think he he did have a patch where he wasn't scoring goals and he wasn't playing well. Um, and he rightfully found himself out of the team. But the last two or three games, either when he started or he been brought on as a sub, I think he's done really, really well. Um, I think he's been unlucky not to score, but is again, he's transitioned away from being the key prime goal scorer into a much more of a team player over the last probably eighteen months. Um, and I think his contribution in the last two or three games where he's come in has been has been excellent. He's played really, really well. So, I pleased for him. Um, it was you know he still had a job to do when the, obviously he, he had to run. 20 yards with the ball and, and, and finish it and he, he did that really professionally he did everything you could ask for so it's it's big for his confidence going into tomorrow he would love a goal of course he would but um, whether it happens or not he I do think he tends to play well against Celtic you know he, he enjoys the occasion so I think he'll probably start I think it'll be him and Ruth I think that, that Wednesday showed that that's a good pairing so bring it on uh, before we move on to the, the big game tomorrow, Ross, I'll be mentioned for Alan McGregor. He's his 400th uh, appearance for the club. First first goalkeeper since Peter McCloy to hit that you know that that number in terms of appearances. And when you consider he was away for the club for a good number of years, you know after 2012. Uh, now he did upset some supporters at the time when it, you know the way he left the club and all the rest. Of it, you know him and Naismith and and a, and a few others. And you know I think it was a raw time for everybody involved and. You know, I, I think supporters maybe need to get the, the full sort of detail of what happened at that time and what players were faced with before they can really, you know, pass judgment. But putting that to one side, he's, I mean, he's been a tremendous servant for Rangers over the years. I mean, I think there's a case to say in my lifetime, and we've had some good goalkeepers, he's arguably the, the, the best Rangers keeper in my lifetime. He's, he's certainly in the conversation with Gorham and, and Kloss. Um, for me, anyway. So, I, yeah, he's, he's been a wonderful servant to the club. Um, he, he doesn't seem to be declining. That's the thing. You know, he's, he's obviously pushing on in terms of age. And I think his contract does expire at the end of this season. And there'll be a question as to what does he want to do and what does the club want to do. But he, he isn't getting any worse. You know, he's not, he's not fading away with age. He's still an excellent shot stopper. And over the last two years, I think 
Morelos and McGregor are the reason that we did so well in, in the Europa League, getting to the group stage four times. So, um, yeah, I think he's been, I think he's been outstanding. He's he's come a very very long way. One thing that I always wonder, and I don't know if you have a, a view on this, Colin, is why did it never really happen for him at the top level outside of Scotland? I mean, obviously he had a decent career with Hull, I think with Cardiff, and then a, a difficult time out in Turkey, but. For a player that's done so well for us over so many years and shown such consistency, I've never worked out why he couldn't couldn't make it work at a top club down in England. I mean, I think uh, sometimes I think it, I don't think it's down to ability. Sometimes people just go somewhere, and it could be it could be an external thing. You know, he's maybe not settled in the area, uh, and and sometimes clubs just suit certain players. You know, what I mean, I've heard I've heard some players say when they went to other clubs outside Rangers. Uh, that you know, Kevin Thompson's quite big on this. You know that he, he kind of struggled when he went to was it Middlesbrough. Kevin Middlesbrough, Thompson, went, right. you know, because the demand, the same demand, wasn't there. You know, and I, I, I do think uh, I remember at the time sort of chatting about that when, when Kevin Thompson first signed for the club that he was the one struggling a wee bit with that demand. But once he got used to it, you know that that that's what he expected. And so when he went to other clubs, and that same sort of demand to win wasn't there. You know. Don't enjoy it as much, so yeah, it could, could be a number of reasons. But I don't think it's any reflection on his, his actual ability because I think we've seen uh, international level in the Champions League with Rangers and you know domestically with Rangers. He's he's uh, he's he's different gravy, really. Uh, but right before we, we talk about the the big game tomorrow, uh, I'm I'm contractually obliged, even though I don't have a contract, uh, to to highlight a competition that Jersnet have on at the moment. Uh, we have a partnership with Football Prizes and Frankie put out a tweet today at about half past seven uh, to give you a chance to win some Stephen Gerrard memorabilia. It's a sort of frame top uh, built in LED lighting. Uh, so to win it, uh, I mean, it's, it's an impressive bit of kit. To win it, uh, it's, it's a raffle ticket, £5.95. There are only 99 tickets available uh, so if you if you buy one of those raffle tickets, you're having a chance of winning it. The competition ends on Wednesday, the 13th of January, which I believe is a week on Wednesday. So uh, to bring me a chance of uh, winning that uh, through football prizes, uh, get onto their website and buy one of the tickets at £5.95 or just have a wee look on Frankie's Twitter. Uh, he, as I said, he, he was tweeting about it today. You'll get all the details there. So that's my contractual obligations finished, Ross. We can talk about the football now. <laughs> right. So tomorrow, the big, the big game, big game at, at Ibrox tomorrow. Uh, as is always the case with these games, you know they tend to get hyped up, maybe beyond what's actually at stake tomorrow. You know, I hear some people saying that if Rangers win tomorrow, that's it. Celtic win tomorrow, they're back in it, and Rangers are officially crumbling and in crisis. It is a big game, but nothing's getting won or lost tomorrow. You know, there's a long, long way to go. What, 18 games to go, there's a lot of football to play, yet. Nothing's getting won or lost tomorrow, but I, I, I think it's a massive game. I really do. I think it's, um, you know, if, if, if you were, if, if the tables were turned and we were nine, you know, potentially going, what, 19 points behind. Yeah. Right. Even even with three games in hand, you look at the goal difference. That's call it twenty game, uh, twenty points behind because the goal difference is so superior. They win their three games in hand. That takes it back to ten, call it eleven points. It, it's a big lead, and and the form that we've shown this season, conceding five goals, you know, dropping four points in in our opening nineteen games. It's you know if 
I, I don't believe that tomorrow decides the league. And I think whatever happens tomorrow, you know, you made a comment there, if Celtic win, they're back in it. I think if Celtic lose, they're still in it. Um, because anything could happen. And, and we, this group of players doesn't have experience of, of winning competitions, unfortunately. We don't know. We don't have that experience other than McGregor and Davis in the squad who have obviously won the league with us before. That's something that we lack is experience of winning trophies. So whatever happens tomorrow, Celtic are still in the title race. But if we if we do close, you know, do end tomorrow with a good a good result and a victory, then you'd be a, a foolish man, I think, to bet against Rangers. It'll be um as close as it's been for oh, let's say a decade really we've been waiting for this title I think tomorrow is a really really important step and I think you'd be hard pressed to find any Celtic fans if, if we lost if we won the game tomorrow any Celtic fans who would hold much hope rationally of, of, of still winning the title so no, nothing's won or lost and I know that, that Gerard will be hammering that message home stay professional whatever happens there's a long way to go um, it, at the end of the day every game in terms of the points in the league table every game is important it's all three points. That's all it is. Um, we know that's not really the case, and this one, this one means more than a Ross County or St Mirren. But um, I, I, I believe this is one of the biggest games we've had for a number of years. I, I, I get that, but I'm, I am very much reject Stephen Gerrard on this, and there's two reasons why. One, I think we've got quite a tricky January coming up. You know, we have to travel to Pataudry. Uh, we have to go Easter Road, uh, and even for Park, you know, I, I know that Motherwell recently, you know, got rid of Stephen Robinson as manager. So there might be a reaction in terms of whoever comes in. So I think we've got a tricky January, and also when the, the league ended last season, we were 13 points behind with a game in hand. We had to play them twice. I still felt, even though it was unlikely, it was mathematically possible for us to catch them. So I would want the players to adopt that attitude that even if they win tomorrow then there's a lot of football because I think any complacency could could put us in a dodgy place uh, I, th- I think there was maybe a wee bit of that last season everybody talks about Dubai and you know every time they go to Dubai I just think maybe too many in the squad felt after we beat Celtic on the on the 29th last year at Celtic Park that you know we were the real deal and I don't think they came back quite with the same mindset. So I, I want to just keep going until we're over the line, if you know what I mean. And again, I think that part of that is brought about by the fact it's been a while since we've been we've been in this position. And as you say, we don't have a lot of players that have been over the course before. So I just want them to keep that mentality that, Ross, see if there's five games to go and we're 25 points clear. <laughs> I'll still be nervous, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll still be thinking, even though it's mathematically impossible for them to catch us, I'm like, oh, there's some way we can mess this up. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I want us just to, to maintain that, that that sort of attitude and, and keep the professionalism going. Uh, it's, a, it's the second game, the second old fun game without fans, you know, in these strange, strange times. You know, you could argue that we were the, the, the beneficiary of that the last time, you know, going to Celtic Park. It wasn't the same, you know, I, th- I think it was like 60, 70 minutes before there was the first booking. You know, I thought 60,000 fans in there, but that, that's not the case. There's a wee bit more edge to the game. You know, so you could argue we maybe got the, 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 the sort of benefit of that the last time. So is that reversed this time? Do you feel that Celtic will come here not fearing it as much because, you know, there's not going to be 55,000 Rangers supporters in there? I mean... I don't know that Celtic really would be fearing a trip to, to Ibrox in, in, in normal times anyway. I mean, 
as much as I hate to say it, they have experience of winning titles and they all have experience of winning games at Ibrox with, with fans in. So um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't think it's going to have a big impact. I think that Gerard's professionalism that he's instilled in the squad is, is going to be... The, we, we have been the beneficiaries of no fans. I think we've discussed this countless times on the podcast this season. Having no fans in has helped us and it's helped us at home and it's helped us away. It's helped us go to places like um, like going over to Celtic and, and getting a fairly comfortable and routine victory. But it does help us at home as well because they don't have the pressure that, uh, you know, the, the misplaced pass that gets a boo and, and fans on the backs. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Celtic capitalising on that too much I really don't um, I think still that the lack of fans is going to play into our hands it's a shame I think you know yeah, uh, as, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd have been on a on a plane up today I'd have been getting a train up or something and I'd be taking my seat there tomorrow and I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed that I can't and I know that you you would be doing the same um, it's a real shame because there's so many good things happening this season for Rangers and we can't be there to enjoy it. Um, so I'm, I'm disappointed, obviously, but uh, all of that disappointment will go if we win even 1-0 tomorrow. It is what it is. We're, we're all used to this by now. We know the drill. We know how to log into Rangers TV and watch it and, and shout and swear at home. So it, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I took it. I actually managed to get a, get to a game last week. Uh, I, I was at a Cayman game. They were playing Broader Rangers on Boxing Day, uh, and I was there kind of covering the game from a media perspective. So that, that, that's how I sort of gained access. And I have to say, I mean, the game was uh, it was abandoned after forty five minutes because of the weather, but it didn't it didn't feel the same. It, it just we no fans there, and that's that's Cayman Juniors who maybe get I don't know three four hundred, and I thought it just. There, there was a strange feeling to it, and it is, it's, it is a shame in the, the situation at the moment, but I suppose uh, it is what it is. Uh, Stephen Gerrard had his, his presser, to, I think it was today, Ross, so uh, on the injury front, no no fresh injuries for St Murn, but Ryan Jack uh, still out, Scott Arfield out after he picked up that injury against Motherwell. Two sort of key players and, and two, I think this is a key thing, two Scottish players who know what this game is all about. Is that a big miss for Rangers? One Scottish, one Canadian. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, Livingston, I, Livingston, West, West Lothian, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts in New Brunswick is that? They are both a big miss because there are two players who have performed well in old front games over the last 18 months. Um, two players who I think have both scored in old firm games in the last couple of years and the players have done really well for us over the last couple of seasons as well um, and I, I I think that Ryan Jack in particular he adds so much calmness and assuredness to the, to the midfield um, not the most creative player but Scott Arfield is, is pretty creative and it, you know I think the two of them work really nicely together that said you know you look at the midfield tomorrow is probably going to be Stephen Davis as the proverbial quarterback, um, followed by Glenn Kamara and Joe Aribo. I mean, incredibly capable players. So I'm not I'm not too worried. I still think pound for pound we have the better midfield. I think we'll win those midfield battles. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a shame for both of them. Obviously, Ryan Jack. There's a lot of questions going around now. Actually, what's what's the problem with this knee? 
been out a lot longer than any of us expected. We don't really have any clarity when he's coming back. Um, so it's a shame. It's a shame that we'll miss both of them. But I think we have more than adequate replacements. Glenn Kamara is a is a big game player. We've spoken about this before on the show. Glenn Kamara thrives in the big games. He's done well in Old Firms before, and he does well in Europe. Um, so I have I have absolutely no concerns with the players that will play in the field tomorrow. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I, I do. I do kind of worry because it's too. Two guys that know what the game's about that will maybe just miss that wee edge. But I suppose we've got Stephen Davis in there, who certainly knows uh, what it's all about. Uh, also, uh, he's, he's presser today. Interesting that you know Gerard's looking for. I think it's his third successive win against Celtic. You know, he won uh, at Celtic Park last December two one. He won the game in October there two 0 You know, and you know even in the game in the cup final last year. You know, we. we we outplayed them and we should have won that game. And, you know, he was talking about the sort of change that, that's happened since, you know, Gerard and his staff have arrived at the club. You know, before he arrived, we were on the end of some pretty heavy pounds, poundings, sorry, from, from, from Celtic. You know, then he came in and we lost the first one, one nil, but it was, it was close and it was tight. And then we started winning and then we're, we're, you know, we're starting to win at Celtic Park. And again, it ties in with this thing that we've, we've talked about before, just the, the constant improvement. You know, we're improving all the time. You know, in Europe, we're improving. And, you know, and, and the results against Celtic are improving. So it, it, it's testament to, to Gerard and his staff that, you know, we are where we are in this. You know, because before he came, you know, we would begin into tomorrow thinking, here we go, another routine horsing for, the, for, for that mob across the road. So you have to give them credit for, for, for getting us to this stage, uh, you know, where we are at this moment in time. Absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't Stephen Gerrard, that would probably be because Derek McInnes had taken the job and I would have no confidence at all in Derek McInnes leading us against Celtic. So, uh, yeah, real real credit to them. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I'm sure you'll be able to tell me when was the last time that a Rangers manager won three in a row against against them. Uh, off the top of my head, yes. I can't tell you, you know. So uh, it's a big one for them, yeah. Big, it's big, but, you know, you have to think back. It, it's incredibly rare that either side of the old firm would win all four games against the other in one season. Um, even in Brendan Rodgers in their unbeaten season a few years ago, we still had the Clint Hill game where we managed to take a point. Yeah. So it, it's very, very rare for for um, one side of the old firm to assert dominance over the whole season, um, which is why, you know, obviously if, if uh, the result doesn't go that way tomorrow, if it's even if it's a draw, um, it's not a reason to panic. It's not a reason to, 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 to get nervous because it's a bit of a media cliche, but the, the form the form book can go out of the window in games like these. And we've seen that happen for both sides where you've come into the game not in good form, but you've just managed to rally together and get a result. So, um, it, yeah, Gerard has, has done, I think, wonders. We could, we could speak all night about the strides we've made under Stephen Gerrard. Um, I think you can see the difference as well. It's, again, something we've spoken about before, his reaction when they win uh, in the East End this season compared to when we won in the East End last season, yeah. grabbing the camera and, and really celebrating it. Obviously, difference because there was no fans, but um, I think uh, you know it, the difference there actually runs a bit deeper than that. So uh, we can discuss this all day, but it, it does it does fill you with confidence. I mean, who would you rather have in the dugout tomorrow? Who would you rather have leading you tomorrow? Stephen Gerrard or, or Neil Lennon? Yeah, I know my answer. Uh, right, looking a wee bit beyond tomorrow uh, before we move on. 
you know, we're at Pataudry next week. And, and again, Stephen Gerrard mentioned this in his press conference. There's, there's like eight days between tomorrow's game and, and the next game at Pataudry. That seems, you know, compared to the recent sort of hectic uh, schedule that we've had, a good opportunity to rest some legs and, and maybe get people fit again. Yeah, definitely. Um, unless this counts as our winter break, in which case... No, no. <laughs> we're not doing a winter break. Yeah. <laughs> When the um, breaks are banned. I know. I, do you know, actually, as a, as a fan, I'm a bit annoyed because we've been spoiled having a game every three or four days for three months now. It's been, it's yeah. been, it's been wonderful, especially because we keep winning them. But um, yeah, it's it's not a bad thing if we can if we can try and get Ryan Jack back in, try and get Scott Arfield back up to fitness. It'll be it'll be really important. Um, Pataudry always a horrible place to go. I, I, you know that. I'm sure it's the same for you. That fills me with nerves every time we got surgery. I, I don't enjoy those games at all. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think anyone at anyone at Auckland will be complaining for an eight-day rest. I mean, it's a holiday for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when I heard that today, I, I hadn't really looked ahead to the, the, the sort of fixture list, and when I saw that, I thought it was a good a good sign. A couple of days off. I think Jenner said today he was hoping to give the players a couple of days off, regardless of the result, and then you know based the planning on next week, based on what happens tomorrow, get them in sort of uh, Monday, Tuesday and, and get them going again. Uh, Ross, you know, sort of conscious of time, uh, the 50th anniversary tomorrow, the Ibrox disaster, Stephen Gerrard, you know, he was speaking about it today. Someone who himself is, is, is connected to, you know, a, a similar sort of tragedy with Hillsborough, you know, he'd been a Liverpool boy and I believe his cousin uh, was a victim of the Hillsborough disaster. It, Club announced today that they had planned a sort of major service at Glasgow Cathedral. That's now not going to happen. Uh, there'll be tributes visible at the game all day tomorrow. Club came out today with a with a commemorative crest uh, with the words uh, "Always remembered" on it and the and the date of the disaster. The club has has asked supporters to stay away, which you know in the current the current climate you would you would understand. They understand that obviously people maybe want to make their way to John Gregg's statue or whatever and, and pay their respects, but they're asking people to stay away. And they put something out today asking supporters for an alternative gesture to make a donation, a ten pound donation if they could, uh, to St Andrew's First Aid, who were obviously heavily involved uh, on on the day. Uh, so I mean, I, I, I was two years away from from being born when when the disaster happened. Uh, I had family there though, a few of my uncles were there. One never went back. Uh, my Uncle James never never went back to any football after it. You know, it's, it's it's hard to believe it's 50 years, but it's it's a, it's always a sort of heavy time of the year, you know, for, for the club and, and for the supporters and obviously the families involved. Yeah. Um everyone every Rangers fan has a connection to that day. Everyone will everyone will have I have a, a, a grandfather who was there. Um, and was one of those who didn't know what had happened and went to the yeah. pub after the game. And, you know, I remember my dad telling me about they were all sat at home. They'd not heard from him because he had no idea. He was in the pub, didn't know what had gone yeah. on. And everyone has a story like that. Um, even, uh, I'm not going to bucket you and me into the same age gap, age group here, because neither of us were alive at the time, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm, old, I'm old enough to be your dad, <laughs> <laughs> even even folk like us, even fans like us who weren't alive, um, we all have some connection uh, to to that incident. And um, I, I'm proud actually of, of how much the, the club has been talking about this. And obviously, the media has been picking up on it heavily because it's the 50th anniversary. But 
it is kind of penetrating the mainstream media a little bit more. And I think that, um, again, particularly living down here in London, you, you start to see um, the, the Ibrox disaster wouldn't really be mentioned in, in the media. Obviously, in Scotland, it is, it is kind of mentioned every year at this time, but in England, it doesn't really get a mention. And then there was an article that I read um, a couple of days ago from an English regional paper talking about football's forgotten disaster, which is kind of how it's seen down here. You know, 66 people died that day and yeah. it's a staggering number, but it doesn't really get spoken about. So I'm 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 glad to see the amount of traction and the amount of interest and, and just people talking about it again, because you know, we're, we're 50 years on. Rangers fans will remember this in, in another 50 years time. Um, you know, in, in, in 50 years time, I'll be about to turn 80. So if I'm still around, I'll be remembering it and my kids and my grandkids will be remembering it um, because you can still see the pictures and it's it's such an awful thing to even comprehend. It's actually quite difficult to imagine how it happened and what it must have been like. So um, it's it's so important that the club keeps that alive and the club remembers it properly. I, I'm glad to see that there was something planned um, and the club was trying to, to, to remember uh, in in the in the correct way with, with with something as grand as the service at Glasgow Cathedral, obviously a great shame that that, that couldn't happen. But um, yeah, I, I think it's quite touching actually to see in in the the majority of cases the response that we're also getting from Scottish media, other Scottish football clubs, and uh, you know Celtic obviously put out a, you know, quite a touching, quite a moving account of that day as well, and asking their fans to remember and. Um, Tomorrow is is a very poignant and, and sombre and special day for, for Rangers. I, I, I was involved in a wee bit of a project prior to lockdown, and I was doing a wee bit of research on the, the Dyrox disaster. And that thing you're talking about, families not known, that was a, a constant through yeah. every account that I read. And you have to remember, it's totally different times. It's 1971. You know, there's no, there's no mobile phones. There's no 24-hour news channels, all that kind of a thing. So it really did. And and my uncles who were at the game were the same. You know, they they managed to get out the the sort of the, the, the crush, and they they just thought, right, well, we just get involved in our normal routine. Mm-hmm. They went to the pub. I know another guy. I used to live next door to a guy, uh, Billy, Billy, who. He was just a teenager at the time, and he was he came down stairway thirteen, and he broke his glasses. But he he was not involved in the crush. I think he was out before it all started. But he broke his glasses and was so scared of going home and getting a row for his mother that he just went and stayed the night at his pals and never phoned and let anybody know where he was. So his family were just in a, a, a total flummox, you know. And that that was the thing when I when I was you know when I was looking through all these accounts in the Mitchell Library, it, that was a constant theme. People just didn't know where family members were, and family members who weren't involved in the disaster and weren't involved in the crush were doing their normal routine, totally unaware that anything had happened. So a, a really, really uh, strange night. Final comment on the night, and it's kind of sad to sort of finish on this. Talking about that tweet uh, you were you were talking about from Celtic, and the, and you know the nice account that they put out of, of that day. You know, I look through some of the replies was yeah. just pretty horrific. Uh, now, you would have to say that, you know, the, the majority of the stuff was, was coming from, from from Celtic supporters, but even some of the, the, the comments from some Rangers supporters getting involved, really poor. And, you know, I, I don't get, and I never will get how people find these kind of things funny, regardless of what club's involved. You know, 66 people died. 
you know, I mean, I would never laugh at anything like, you know, the Hillsborough disaster or the Bradford fire, you know, I can remember that one. It just seems, and I think it's got worse over the last few years. The first real incident I can remember of this nature was the 20th anniversary game in 1991 and there was a minute silence and the, the Brimland Road end uh, kind of booed it all the way through. And that was the first real incident I can really recall that, that, that sort of had a go, that, that saw the Ibrox disaster as sort of fair game and we can have a go at that. And I would say over the last 10 years, it's got it's got worse, you know, and it's not just Celtic fans now, you know, you, you see some Aberdeen fans and all that getting involved. Pretty, pretty, pretty pathetic stuff, Ross. That's probably the, the best way of putting it. It's, it's tragic. I mean, just just be better. Just be a better person, you know. Person. Yeah. It, it's not just that 66 folk died. It's, it's the manner in which they died as well. You know, it's, it's incomprehensible how, how distressing that is. Um, but, you know, you can be anonymous and you can you can tweet something. You can tweet, you know, quite hurtful and um, nasty things and, and no one will ever know who it was. And then you know, I have a I have a right to say that if I want to and it's freedom of speech. It's such a murky and just upsetting area to get into. But just be better. Why why bother? What are you contributing to society if, if that's all you can if that's all you yeah. can do? And these are these are undoubtedly folk who uh, weren't alive at the time, probably never been to a game in their lives, but it's just easy to wind up folk on the internet and and it's um yeah, it's a real shame. Well, I mean, here's hoping that the team uh, go out and get as a result and what will be a very difficult day for, for, for some families of, of the victims of that day. Ross, looking at the time there, and uh, I think we can just call it quits there. So that's all for tonight's preview edition of the Jazz Night Weekly Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed that. A wee bit of extra content for you. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday night. I believe Ross is hosting uh, and David Wren is on with myself as a guest. Uh, and we'll obviously be looking at the, the, the big game tomorrow. In the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet uh, website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, as I say to you every week that I'm hosting now, you know, strange times, we're all tier four. Look after one another, stay safe. And until next time, bye for now.